This is Ethan Siegel, and welcome back to the Starts With a Bang podcast. The passage of time is something we so thoroughly take for granted that we don't even assign a rate to it anymore. We know if we take a measuring device, a clock, a stopwatch, a transition of atoms or wavelengths of light that pass by, we know they're always going to pass at the same rate. Time passes at a rate of one second per second, no matter where in the universe you are, how quickly you're moving, or any other physical thing you can conceive of. But is this rate truly fixed for everyone in all reference frames? Perhaps not. Perhaps we could manipulate it to travel through time. And if we conceive of those options, there are two possibilities. Either we can travel forwards or backwards in time. Under Newtonian physics, his equations of motion, his way the universe works, there is no option. Time is fixed. Time is absolute. But since the Einsteinian revolution came along, we recognize that time is not fixed but relative. If one person is fixed and stationary relative to another who's moving, they will observe each other's clocks to be passing at different rates. In other words, if you are stationary and someone is moving relative to you, their clock from your point of view will appear to be running slower. Different observers will see different rates of time pass for anyone moving at a speed and in a location other than their exact own. Why would it work this way? It has to do with motion through space-time. Space and time, you have to remember, in Einstein's relativity are related. That's the key breakthrough of relativity. As you move through space, the faster you move through space, the more your motion through space is, the less your motion through time is. So time passing at a rate of one second per second is what you, in your non-accelerating reference frame, observe. But anyone who moves in a different reference frame relative to you, when you look at them, you're going to see that their clocks pass slower. Because some of their motion is not through time, but rather is through space instead. And if you were the one moving at high speeds, what would you find? What if you left a stationary reference frame like Earth in a rocket ship at high speeds and you took a long journey very quickly and returned to your starting point? What would you discover? What you would find is that the passage of time on Earth was different than the passage of time for you. However much you aged by, however much time you experienced, you would find that more time had passed on Earth. More time had passed in the location that hadn't changed its speed or its velocity. And the faster you went on your journey, the more the difference would be when you returned between your starting point and how much time you had experienced. This might seem like it doesn't make any sense. This might seem counterintuitive and you'll say, well, no human's ever done this, how do we know? And the answer, the way you know, 
is to hold out your hand. Here, on the surface of Earth, hold out your hand and have it face skyward. Do you have any idea what's going through your hand right now? About one time every second, an unstable cosmic ray particle known as a muon will pass through your hand. You can test this out for yourself by building your own cloud chamber out of an empty fish tank, some acetone, and some dry ice. It doesn't take that much equipment to see for yourself that there are these cosmic ray particles that leave tracks in a cloud chamber that come from the sky and move close to the speed of light. And yet, you think that maybe this shouldn't happen. These muons only live for 2.2 microseconds apiece, and they're created in the upper atmosphere about 100 kilometers up. You can do the math and say, if I calculate at the speed of light a particle that lives for 2.2 microseconds, how far should it travel before it decays away? And the answer is about 660 meters less than one kilometer, and yet I'm telling you that it traveled for a hundred kilometers or more to pass through your hand, and it does this once per second. How is this possible? The answer is relativity. The answer is time dilation. When this particle moves close to the speed of light, it sees the lengths in front of it contract. You, from here on Earth, when you watch that particle, you will see time pass for it much more slowly than it passes in its own reference frame. And so it can travel up to 100 kilometers before it decays away. That's the power of relativity and time dilation. For human beings, at the speeds we've traveled, these effects are very, very small, but they're measurable. Astronauts who go up to the International Space Station and orbit around the Earth 18 times per day, when they come back down, they've aged by a few microseconds less than any humans who've remained stationary here on Earth. The effect of time dilation is real. If we were to go faster and faster and faster, we would discover that the humans who went on that journey would age less. In other words, they would effectively travel forwards through time at a slightly different rate than all the humans who remained stationary and behind. If you were to develop a device that sent you hurtling through the universe at tremendous speeds and returned you to your destination, the faster you moved, the more you would effectively find yourself transported forward through time. You could travel close to the speed of light and actually come back tens, hundreds, thousands, even millions or billions of years in the far future. You could have a child and come back younger than your child is thanks to this time travel forwards. According to the laws of relativity, time travel forwards is not only inevitable, not only possible, but it's limited only by the amount of energy you have available. If you could accelerate at a constant 
one G of acceleration at 9.8 meters per second squared. If you did this for 10 years, for 20 years, for 25 years, you could find yourself literally thousands of years in the future. You could, in principle, if you did this for long enough, find yourself reaching a stage where life on earth became extinct because time had passed enough that the sun had heated up and boiled our oceans. You could find where the sun had burned out. You could even travel far enough into the future where all the stars that would ever live in the universe have burned out or when the very last black hole has decayed away. If you had enough energy and accelerated at a constant rate for long enough, you would watch the entire history of the universe unfold and pass before your very eyes. But even with arbitrary amounts of energy, there are still limits. You can never reach the speed of light because you have mass and the amount of energy in the universe is not infinite. You can never dilate time infinitely and of course if you can't reach it, you can never exceed the speed of light. So although you can move forward not really limited practically by the laws of physics, there are limits to what you can do. And then we can look at the other side of the equation. What about traveling back in time? Traveling backwards in time has long been a staple of science fiction, from Back to the Future to Star Trek to even Futurama when Fry becomes his own grandfather. Time travel backwards might have all sorts of philosophical paradoxes, but we're interested in the physical question. Is time travel backwards physically possible? In special relativity, the answer is no. Whether you're massive or massless, time travel is limited by the speed of light. You cannot move faster than that. And so you'll never wind up moving with a negative solution through time or with an imaginary solution through time. All you can do is progress forward and control the rate at which you do. But the universe isn't governed by special relativity exclusively. Special relativity is only an approximation of what the universe is like in regions that don't have strong gravitational curvature. In reality, we live in a universe governed by general relativity, and that opens up a whole new realm of what's possible. In general relativity, the fabric of the universe, the fabric of space-time itself, can be curved. And it's more strongly curved in regions where you have large amounts of matter and energy. Most of you are familiar with the science fiction idea that in this curved space, you could have two regions that seem a long distance apart actually be connected if the curvature of space is strong enough. You could have two well-separated regions actually connect via something we know as a wormhole. Well, this can not only be used to connect two different locations in space at the same time, but two different locations in time at the same space. 
you can have what we know as a time wormhole in general relativity or a closed time-like curve where you arrive at the same point in space and time having taken a large path around. So that effectively is the equivalent to traveling backwards in time. But just because something is mathematically allowed in general relativity doesn't mean it actually physically happens in our universe. There are some mathematical solutions in general relativity that admit a closed time-like curve. A famous example is the Godel universe, where you can have a globally rotating space-time. Now, we can look out at the distant universe and place limits on the global overall rotation, but there's no reason to believe that space-time is forbidden from having a global rotation. But on the other hand, there are other space-times that do not admit closed time-like curves. An example of that is the friedman lemaitre robertson walker universe, or the one that we believe describes our expanding cosmological space-time. In that space-time, closed time-like curves are completely forbidden. So how do we know? How do we know whether our universe can have time travel backwards, whether we can have closed time-like curves or not? Unfortunately, the mathematics isn't going to tell us. If I ask you a question as simple as what's the square root of 4, you might immediately say, oh, I know that answer, it's 2. But is it? Think about it. It could be 2 or it could be negative 2. The mathematics admits both possibilities. In physics, though, there's only going to be one right answer to a question like, can the universe allow you to time travel backwards or not? You need to actually observe the universe and figure out which mathematical solution describes the space-time that we live in to know the answer. Well, our best observations tell us a whole lot of information about the universe in which we live. And if we live in the universe that we think we do, then forward is the only way we'll ever go. We can see backwards by looking at the light from long ago, but to travel backwards would require that the universe exhibit physical properties and mathematical properties that are different from what we observe our universe to be. Now, it might be the case that the universe does have a global rotation or does have two causally disconnected regions connected by a time wormhole. And so, as always, the ultimate answer will only show itself to us with more data, with better observations, and continued scientific investigation. Our dreams of time travel have been with us for a long time and will continue to stay with us for as long as humans are around to imagine it. But if we want to travel any direction other than forwards, it's going to require a revolution in how we understand our universe actually behaves. The Starts With a Bang podcast is made possible through the generous donation of our Patreon supporters. I'd like to thank everyone donating at the $5 a month level and above, including Ryan Schultz, Samir Kumar, Bakhtiar, Kathy Reese, Robert J. Hansen, Thomas Sola, Denier, 
Richard Jousey, Igor Mitrofanov, Arthur F., Marcelo Barnaba, Jason Besansini, Nick Tomlinson, Rafal Wojcik, Pedro Texera, Danny, Denise Arnaud, Alexander Marius, Gaijin, Bob Wilson, Andrew T. Douglas, Chris Hilly, Weller Tractor Salvage, Bill Murphy, Mark Armstrong, Kevin Barnes, Patrick Dennis, Chris Shaw, Radek Nesbida, James Nance, Joe McFarland, Amira Sosnick, Rachel Merritt, Sidney Atwood, Christopher Wetmore, Jose Enrique, Harry Plumley, John Methot, Nathan Hanna, Thomas All, Glenn McDavid, Benjamin Turner, David Taschioni, Joe Latone, Philip Radilovic, DGE, John Seal, Braxton Thomason, Karen Garrison, and Zarko Opachik. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next time here on Starts With a Bang. Starts With a Bang.